This is December 15th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. I hope you guys are having a great week. Um, let's jump right into this show. Uh, I am so excited uh, for this episode. What's funny is I think this might be my favorite episode of the offseason. I think it is uh, for sure because we, we, Connor Ryan and I discussed topical questions for the 2021 season. And I mean, if you listen to the show, you wouldn't even know that the season has not even been declared yet, but we acted as if it was. And we just talked hockey. We talked Bruins questions. We did biggest questions facing the Bruins going into the 2021 season. Um, and we got into what we got, you know, in depth on a lot of different topics, topics that we'll hit on even more on, uh, in the, in the, you know, coming, in the coming days and weeks uh, and before the season starts. So I am very excited about this episode. I think you guys will really, really enjoy it. Connor and I at our best, so to speak, uh, us at our best. Uh, and so before we get into the, the episode, NFL football continues on this week, uh, which has a few surprise teams at the top of the standings. And you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be on the action at Bet Online. No matter how schedules change your players that play, Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere online, and that is a fact. I use it. I know it. Uh, head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. The other funny thing is the NBA is returning soon, and after that, the NHL will be returning. So there's a lot to bet on. So go there now. Uh, tell them I sent you. Use code CLMS50, uh, and you will have an amazing, amazing time uh, getting back in to the sports season. I will also tell you this, and you might be like, Evan, you're telling me way too much. You're telling me to do way too much. Well, this isn't that big of a thing, but I mentioned this at the beginning of the off season. I'd like to mention it going into the season. Um, Connor and I will be kind of teaming up at least on YouTube as well as we do on these podcasts, but on YouTube uh, and doing stuff together there. The page is called Bruins Rinkside on YouTube. And I would really appreciate it if you went and subscribed to it. Again, YouTube, for those who don't know, it's free. You just subscribe to it, and that's that. Subscribe to it. The more subscribers we have, the the better content you will get because we're just going to focus on that. Um, also, subscribe to the CLNS Media YouTube page. That's much bigger. Uh, stuff will go there, but I really would love to get a big base of Bruins Beat listeners, Bruins fans on Bruins Rinkside so we can literally just upload videos there and kind of have like our own little world. That's what I would much, much rather have. I'm hoping that that sort of starts to take shape during the year. I'd love to be able to make that like our own little world um, and to really have fun with that, to have live Q&As, to have maybe you guys on some some uh, episodes and on some videos. So go subscribe to Bruins Rinkside. I promise you it is worth it. Go do that. Uh, right now. I'll let you even pause the podcast to go do it. Uh, so make sure uh, to go subscribe to Bruins Rankside on YouTube and CLNS Media's YouTube page uh, as well. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Nothing much, man. What's going on with you? Nothing much. Um, it's funny. I just noticed this. Whenever I do a show with you, I do a stopwatch to make sure that it's like 30 minutes or so. Most listeners know it's 30 to 35 minutes. Anything longer than that, people get bored. I get bored. You get bored. We all get bored. So I always do stopwatches. And I noticed since the last time we recorded, I did not 
stop the stopwatch. Uh, for those who are watching on YouTube, which you can do, go follow Bruins Rink site on, on YouTube or subscribe. Uh, we're going to be posting a lot of content there. You'll see that uh, we're currently at 114 hours, 27 minutes, 41 seconds. Uh, and I'm going to reset that for today's episode. So that has been going it's since last week. We're starting fresh. We're starting fresh. So, uh, yeah, I love when I see the stopwatch. It's funny. My, I had an iPod touch when I was younger mm-hmm. and I think I let the stopwatch go for like four or five years and I'd pick it up every couple months or so to be like, Oh my God, this is crazy. I was very Tech- young then. Technology, right? That, that was everyone. They first got like the first iPod touch. That was the coolest thing. And just, they would just do, they would check the stocks. Like I, I would check stocks when I was what, like 11, 12 years old and be like, Oh, it's a rough day, huh? Like I had no idea what I was even looking you at. You see a red but... arrow going down. It's funny. Yeah, I, I got oh. my first iPod. I got my first iPod Touch around like 2008. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I start when I saw. I did not get a good opening to the stock market seeing it in 2008. Yes, um, that was Bad that timing. was very rough. Bad timing. But I remember when I got my first like mobile device. I was like, oh my god! I'm like all the parents with their Blackberries. Like I got my iPod Touch, which <laughs> in comparison to these phones is like this big. It's tiny. Oh um, yeah. But oh man, those memories, those memories of uh, iPod touches and MP3 players. I was not an MP3 player guy. I did not grow up. I wasn't, I didn't grow up during that time when I had, I did not, I never had an MP3 player, but like, I, I bet you probably did in that time, I would think, or at least I actually did. No, iPod. my first one was just like the, um, the iPod nano, like the, the super, super slim one. I had that. That was the first one I had. So before that, I don't even know, like I. I think I just had nothing to do. I think I would just sit on the school bus, stare out the window like kids did from like the the nineteen hundreds to like the the John Hughes movies. They just did nothing. They just talked to people like a normal person. Now it's so weird. Who talks yeah, to people? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I want to talk about your day going to school. No one's happy. Now you just put your headphones in, you're all set. And put when you put your head against the bus window and it was Oh cold. of course. And then oh. the bus driver in Tanzania drives over a pothole and just bang your head against the That's how you woke up. You know what's now, funny? Now, now, now we feel like the the people who like you know would tell their kids they would walk to like a storm to go get like a pack of cigarettes in the yeah. 60s, or like you know uh, they would walk through a snowstorm to go to get uh, like a something from Blockbuster, milk and bread. Yeah, exactly, milk and bread. It's gonna go from milk and bread to like I had to go through a blizzard to get the Goonies from Blockbuster. To I don't know what what our story is gonna be. Probably that we were through like a pandemic and it sucked, but. Well, the pandemic's big. I think the pandemic is definitely up there. I mean, I have a gr- one, my grandmother who lived through Vietnam, World War II, was like, uh, she was like, this is actually like, has had a bigger impact on America or like has impacted everyone's life more than I think that did. So and I think that's up there. I think we have a valid case to be a victim in this situation. Yeah. I think uh, but- I, have a feeling, I have a feeling we're going to fudge it a little bit though. It's going to be like how when the Celtics won in 08, and Brian Scalabrini was like, yeah, you know, I didn't play one minute, but in 10 years, like, I'll tell people that, like, I, you know, scored a few points. In 20 years, I'll tell my kids that I started a game. And in 40 years, I'll probably tell people I was MVP. Yeah. Like, that, that's, that's what it's going to be. So we'll, we'll be like, you know, during that time, we were, like, scraping the ground for food. Mm-hmm. And, like, I had COVID for, like, six months. Right. And I, I just, oh, maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll just yeah. budget like that. Uh, it's funny. Uh, you mentioned the bus. We'll get into Bruins stuff in a second because I actually am excited to get into what we're talking about in this episode because it's all very relevant to this upcoming season. But before we do, this goes to show you how quick times have changed. 
there was a bus driver I had when I was younger, when I was in like early elementary school, who would drive and play trivia with us. So what she would do is she would drive while she drove, she would have like trivial pursuit and read questions. So like on her lap were the questions, or I don't remember where she held the questions, but she had the mic, the bus microphone steering the bus and she would be reading the questions off and then she'd be handing kids tickets in the back. If you got a question, right. Is this now Miss Frizzle, you driver? What the hell is this? Like at the time it was the coolest thing. But looking back on it, it's like, wow, that was kind of dangerous. Like that. Yeah, you had that Mad Max Fury Road driving you to fucking school in Framingham. <laughs> Miss Frizzle. Uh, but yeah, obviously times have changed. Uh, and who doesn't remember the great bus stories of our time? But nevertheless, let's get into Bruins stuff. Um, because I, I, I want to spend this episode looking at some early questions that we have going into training camp. Whenever that training camp happens, I would assume – Somewhat soon, if January 13th is when they're aiming for, um, I would assume that we'll sort of start to get into things um, over the next few days and weeks, which I'm very excited for, as you should all be. Uh, so we're going to get into questions, biggest questions heading into training camp. Uh, and we're going to go question by question, breaking it down. Throughout training camp, we will get into these questions deeper. We will both have stories on how these are developing. But this is just a early look at some of the questions. Um, and I have five listed. You can obviously mention some if you'd like. Um, but I think number one, and a lot of people I think forget that this happened and that the Bruins are going to be starting their season like this. But Brad Marchand and David Pasternak are most likely out to start the season for the Bruins. Yeah. My question to you, who steps up in their place? Yeah, uh, well, I think we'll have to see what the new timeline is. I think you have your fingers crossed that hopefully Mashin won't miss that much time. Cause I think they, I think like what the trajectory for them is, is I think Mashin be ready to come back around January 15th. I want to say like around then. So I don't know if he's going to be ready to stop the year, but if he's, you know, if he's not ready for the season opener, he hopefully the very least should be like skating and hopefully like joining practice pretty soon. So hopefully it's not that much of a layoff, but still when you go, uh, you know, even a few games without two of your top three guys in your top line, that's a, a big hit. And especially in this season where you have fewer games, every game's going to mean a lot more in the standing. So, you know, even if you're treading water for the first month when David Pasternak's probably going to be out, it's still not ideal. Like you still have to build a bit of a lead in this new uh, division. So for the Bruins, what I would imagine happens, uh, I could see Craig Smith being a guy that slots up there at a uh, right wing. Um, on that top line kind of fits a, not obviously the same production in the slightest, but he kind of fits a similar role as Pasternak in terms of being more of a trigger man, a guy who shoots the puck a lot. So I think he'd be a good fit up with Bergeron. And then uh, it kind of depends on what your, what your priorities are in terms of what you think fits best with that line and Bergeron. Like I wouldn't be surprised maybe Anders Bjork gets a look there because Anders Bjork played uh a good amount of his rookie year with um, with Bergeron and Marsh. And granted, it was right wing, but it seems like Bjork's kind of settled into that left wing role. So I think that could be a line. Um, obviously, DeBrusque is an option there if they want to do that. But you would imagine that they'd probably want to you know keep him with Krejci at least at the start of the year to see if they can get that kind of momentum back. But there's options, obviously, but none kind of uh, – they all kind of pale in comparison to not having – to your top three, your two best wingers available for, uh, you know, best case scenario, maybe a game or two, at least in Martian's case. But 
I don't think you're going to see Pasternak back until February. Yeah, Pasternak's going to be out a lot longer. But when you really look at it, obviously you can't, you cannot replace Marshawn and Pasternak. No lineup in hockey can replace your two top uh, wings. So I do think that the Bruins should go into this looking at it as let's try some things out. You know, yeah. I know it's a shortened season, but you, you know you're not going to get stable production with Bjork and Smith on your left and right. Maybe you do. Maybe you do because you do have Bergeron in the middle, but it's not guaranteed, you know? Mm-hmm. So try out different people. Try out Bjork. Try out Smith. Try out Stadnika. Try out Nick Ritchie if you want to. Try out Andre Kasha if you want to. Try out Jake DeBrusque on the first line. So to me, you you need to kind of use, and I know it's your first line. I mean, I think during that time, Krejci, DeBrusque, and whoever's right wing is, which we'll get to in a second, I think will end up being your more stable top line, so to speak. Uh, but I do think that try some people out. Try Stadnika next to Bergeron. I think that's going to be something that, you know, if he does make the team, which is, I think, a good chance he does, I absolutely think that that is something they should try. Uh, and Craig Smith's another one. I think Craig Smith's a definite to be on that top line uh, when the season starts, or at least you should be, as well as Bjork. So for me, I think there's a lot of things you can try there, and you need to use that time to actually try some people out. I also think, and this is something that I think we'll hit on uh, as, the, as the season gets going, is when Marshawn does come back, it'll be Marshawn, Bergeron, and... Who knows? You could right. try Craig Smith, Andres Bjork, Jackson Nika, whoever you choose there. And if that goes well, if, yeah. if that ends up working, move Pasternak down with next to Krejci. Yeah. I, I, this is something that I think spreads out the score. And we've all kind of been, we, a lot of people have kind of said it for a while, but the top line is just so good that, uh, that people kind of, you know, don't want to break it up. But right. if it's being forced to be broken up, see how Marshawn and Bergeron do without Pasternak on the right side. It's been a while. It's been a long time since that, since they haven't had Pasternak on the right side. So to me, I think that, you know, Marshawn, as you said, won't be out that long. So that'll be kind of a one or two game thing where they have two different wingers. But after that, you, you do have kind of an open canvas on that right side, um, right. as well as the power play. You don't have that one timer. You got to figure out someone uh, new for that yeah. position. Is it Krejci? Is it Craig Smith? Um, so uh, that is sort of the Marshawn Bergeron thing or Marshawn Pasternak thing that I think a lot of people forget. I think a lot of people are so like when you mention the Bruins, so excited, it's like, oh yeah, them back and like oh where's where's and then they're like oh wait, what happened to Marshawn and Pasternak? Um, because that was kind of slipped out there on like a Wednesday afternoon in like October, I think. Yeah, it was announced. Um, uh, so the other thing I want to touch on, and this is something we touch on every year, is Krejci's right side. This is something that we can never quite annual shore tradition. Up. Annual tradition at this point, it, it's you know there's there the the top three traditions in the United States: Christmas, Festivus. And who's the right side of David Krejci? That's really yes. what it comes down to. You Seinfeld fans out there will understand me. Um, who should be David Krejci's right winger? When, <laughs> when, when everyone is in the lineup healthy, who should be the guy? I mean, I'm always a fan of bumping Pasternak down there to spread out the scoring. Cause I think even whether it be, you know, Craig Smith or Stanika or someone, I think there's at least someone in there who, at the very least, like, is that top line going to be as good as when it's Marchand, Bergeron, Pasternak? No, of course not. But if you have it that maybe that top line goes down a little bit, but the second line is, you know, here, I think the Bruins would take that if you have two legitimate, you know, top six lines there. Um, and, you know, that could also benefit the Bruins in terms of if it's Stadnik is the guy, I mean, who better to kind of learn from in terms of being on the ice than being on a line with, with Bergeron and Marchand or, you know, Craig Smith, who again shoots the shit out of the puck whenever he's on the ice. So at least he's going to be able to finish some plays. Um, 
is that going to happen? Uh, you know, I think the jury's out on that. I mean, you even look at two years ago when they lost Pasternak for over a month and it was Heinen, that top line was still very, very good. And you would think maybe that was the chance that, all right, if Heinen's in that role, uh, they're not as dynamic, but uh, considering during that season, there still was a vacancy next to Krejci for most of the year. That would have been probably the perfect opportunity to slot Pasternak in, but it didn't really happen. So um, my, my guess is that it'll probably be Kasha. At least Kasha will get the first dibs. Um, you know, as much as, the production wasn't there during the, the postseason for, for Kasha. I still think you have to be at least encouraged um, with kind of what he showed, especially in the early parts of that training camp, uh, early parts of that Toronto playoff where, um, you know, there were scoring chances there. It seemed like him and Krejci were, were meshing pretty well. Um, ends on a bad note that I think probably his worst game was that game five against Tampa. I mean, I think by the end of that, play by the end of that um overtime he was like on the fourth line he was on the fourth line like he was just out of gas um so i mean we'll see what happens for this offseason now where i mean he didn't really have a a restart training camp he didn't really have anything like that so i think he's the guy that'd be interesting to see kind of fit into that role but again there's i think we've talked about this last couple weeks but there's such a log jam of just guys who don't know where you're placing them yet that, you know, there's a lot of intriguing options. How many of them are legitimate or how many of them are guaranteed to get you, you know, 20 goals in a top six role? That kind of remains to be seen, but I imagine that probably Kasha has his first dibs there. I was just say, I think Kasha's the easiest option there. I think that if you give him time to develop chemistry with Krejci and DeBrusque and you kind of let him settle into that role a little more, you know, remember he missed most of the return to play camp. Yeah. And then he also missed, I think, the exhibition games. Or was yeah, he in the, the final three, exhibition the three, game? I think that all, th- I think all three of the exhibition games. I don't think he played in them. Yeah. Okay. So he he just kind of came back. Um. And so to me, I think that if you give him time, you're going to get that production. I mean, again, the scoring chances were there during the during the Carolina series and during the beginning of the Tampa Bay series, if I remember correctly. There were scoring chances. He just wasn't finishing them. But they were there, and and there was there was you could tell there was something there. Um, so I do think he could be a guy that shores up the right side. But as you said, you bring Pasternak down to that second line, and I know we're both for this. You end up in a situation where you can't just shut down one line and then have the offense be dormant if you're if you're opposing teams, because this is something that has happened in years past. You shut down that Bergeron line, and then the rest, and then you know you don't get scoring from the crazy line or or whoever's the third line or the fourth line. Mm-hmm. You want to spread, I think you do want to spread the wealth a little bit. So teams do have a tougher time shutting you down. They can shut down the Krejci's line and not necessarily shut down the Bergeron line and vice versa. So to me, I think, you know, it would be kind of bold for Cassidy to, to go out on that limb. It also is tough this year because it's not an 82 game schedule. So you're not getting that, you know, all these games, not that they don't matter, but you know, we're, we know we're probably going to be in the playoffs. Let's try this out for a game or something. And right, he also yeah. is a quick trigger. I mean, how many times is he, tried guys on certain lines, and then by the middle of the second period, you know, benches them or moves them back to right. where they were. So I do I, think that – I also think it's a thing, too, where we've seen multiple times in which, you know, they've either, uh, you know, double-shifted Pasenak or, you know, they've bumped him down a line just to get a little bit of a spark or, you know, switch things up. But I think we've – you rarely see him start a game with a guy in a different spot. Like, I don't think – I can't think of a time in which even when – Pasto is, you know, getting those extra shifts um, that you ever see it like start a game like that, right? I can't remember the last time where like, we got the opening card like, on Twitter and it was Pasto with Krejci. I don't, I, I can't even remember the time that's happened. So, yeah, I was just saying, I, I can't remember it either. I don't know when that. Has I, happened think people, I think you would be freaking out enough on Twitter that 
we would remember like, oh. if it was. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so Krejci's right side, Marshawn Poshnok up top. Um, and then we've talked about this a lot dur- during our podcast is the left side on defense. Yeah. Uh, what is going to happen there? Um, it feels like it's too late for a trade, which, which is unfortunate because obviously that would be very fun to hash out. We did last week with Noah Hannafin and the Max Patch Ready stuff, but it does feel like it's a little late for a trade. Yeah. Um, still could happen, still could happen. Uh, but so you have the left side on defense. Obviously, Krug is gone. Chara has not re-signed yet. I think we'll see Chara re-sign if, when, if and when the season gets announced. I think mm-hmm. you'll sort of hear the, the Chara re-signing, um, train coming to town. So what happens with the left side on defense? I mean, what do you think they should do? What direction do they go? What's going on? Good question. Yeah. Um, cause I, I mean, I think, I don't think we're breaking a new ground with pricing. That's the biggest question mark. Like losing my Shannon not great. You know what the results are going to be and they're going to be lessened by not having them in the lineup, but you at least have options that you're able to kind of tread water the Bruins left side could be a complete disaster if any of these guys don't pan out or guys have sophomore slumps. So um, in terms of, you know, who fits where that's kind of the bigger issue, right? Cause there's a lot of different guys that could fill in that role, but I don't know how many of them you feel pumped or excited to see what they do in a top four role. Right. Like I imagine right now it's uh Grizzly and McAvoy probably, which even then, like, I think we're big fans of that. You know, it's an intriguing kind of pairing, but there's probably a lot of, you know, experts or people who look at that and be like, that's way too small of a top pairing. That's too much risk depending on have two playmaking guys. But after that, like who fits in with Kahlo, you know, is it Lozon? Cause he's probably maybe the more, most tenured guy on the left side right there in that role. Um, you know, where does John Moore fit into it? Does he start over, you know, guys like Dak and Iron or Zaboral who should get, probably those reps who I think at this point you need to find out what you have in them. Right. I mean, Zborl, I think he's probably going to start on the NHL roster because he has to clear waivers otherwise. So, um, you know, I think this is a chance for you to see what those guys bring. And if these guys can just, you know, fill in what their role is play 15, 17 minutes a night, you know, responsible hockey. I don't think you're expecting Zborl to, be a world beater, be a guy who's going to have, you know, 20 plus points as a a rookie. But if he's, you know, making the good first pass, he's, you know, not getting caught in the D zone. If he's, uh, you know, just helping the transition game, which seems like is what he was praised for in Providence. Like he's not like this super flashy guy, but it seems like he was doing a better job, but, you know, adhering to the smaller details of the game. Um, If he does that role, then the Bruins don't have to worry about it. But if he doesn't pan out, if that can Island doesn't pan out, if, Lozon, who I think was very good for most of the season, uh, struggles from going from third pairing and kind of those easier matchups to maybe being more of a shutdown role with a Kahlo, then you're in trouble. Then, then uh, you know, that impacts the production you probably get out of Rask and Halak, where um, I mean, both those guys have been great the last few years, but they also have been aided quite a bit by having a very structured defense in front of them. Um, so if that unravels, uh, you know, it, it'd be typical like Bruins misfortune if like the offense exceeds expectations. Like Craig Smith has 25 goals, Kasha has 20 goals, Richie has 15 goals, Tadnika like is a called a uh, contender, and like the defense is just horrible. The defense is like 20, you know, first in the league. Like that would be a typical Bruins misfortune thing, which I don't think is going to happen. I still think you know 
they adhere to that stri- that kind of Cassidy zone defense. Um, they've got enough, you know, solid younger players there that could fill in the roles with McAvoy and Kahlo, but you still don't have, you know, a large portion of your decor. You have a lot of players jumping in that you're not really too confident about. So again, I think we've said this too. We'd love to be wrong. We'd love to them to all fit in seamlessly, but for a team like this that you're hoping to contend for a cup to have that many question marks, you have to at least enter the season kind of uncertain as to what you're going to get. Cause I don't think you can kind of view that with rose colored glasses when uh, kind of considering what the stakes are this year of how much uh, you need this team to make a long run. And that's the thing. I think this, it seems like John Moore is going to be getting a good amount of time this year, I think. Cause I think they're going to be games where they start the or back and in there and they kind of look iffy and they're inconsistent and Cass is going to say, I want the veteran. You know, I want John Moore in there. I want to add it. You know, we'll do four righties and two lefties tonight or something of that sort. Um, I agree with you. I think on the left side, it is so open. You know, I mean, your candidates for the left side again after Grizzlick are Lazan, which Cass seems to be very high on, John Moore, Zborrell, Vakaniden. Um, maybe I'm forgetting someone, but th- that's the left side. On the right side, obviously, you have Carlo, you have McAvoy, you have Clifton, you have uh, also Chara at the left side, potentially. Yeah, um, if Chara comes back, at least that solves at least one of your issues in terms of you at least have someone who, obviously, he's not going to be a top-pairing guy anymore, but one less kind of question mark you have to Do you think there's with. any chance they come into the season with Chara and McAvoy as the top-pairing again? I mean... <laughs> If the rest of the decor doesn't look that great, then you might have to. That's what to. I think. I don't, I don't but think I do that's... think – I think there's a weird chance that could happen. Yeah. A I don't think it's ideal, but – No. Um, I, no, I, I could see it, though. possibility. I could see it, though. And I and I would not approve of that, and I don't think many people would. But I could see them coming into the season just doing it for just, you know, consistency's sake. Yeah. Um, the next thing – and this is a little bit more clear because I think there's two clear-cut candidates for this – and I do think they have, I, I think there is a right answer. Uh, who takes over quarterback in the power play from Tory Krug? Uh, everyone thinks either McAvoy or Grizzlick. I think Grizzlick is the guy. Um, and I do think that you're going to see the power play at some point potentially become stagnant. It's not going to be great. People are going to say, my God, this is why they should have re-signed Krug. And, you know, it'll be tons of, tons of outrage over this. Um, but I think Grizzlick is the guy. The numbers from the past have indicated it when he's uh, manned the top power play unit when Krug was out. So to me, it's Grizzly. I believe you're also a Grizzly guy on this. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they signed him for that contract, a four-year deal, and not expect him to take on a, a bigger share of responsibilities. You could make the case that maybe McAvoy is due. You know, he really hasn't had that much time on the power play, especially with that top unit. But, I mean, the writing was on the wall when Krug was either out or, uh, you know, injured. It was usually Grizzly would get the first call. And is he as dynamic as Krug on the power play? No. Um He's much more, you know, when you see him out there, he's more, uh, you know, walking the blue line, uh, keeping pucks in. He's not, you know, Krug would go down on the half wall, you know, looking for seam passes and stuff like that. But also, granted, when you're Grizzly and you're top, you're working with uh, one healthy, you know, Bergeron and Martian and Pasternak. Like, you don't really have to do, you don't have to be that dynamic, right? As long as you're fishing pucks out and getting them back, you know, into – to a guy like Martian, you're, you're doing pretty well and the chances are going to be there for you. So um, I don't think he has to, you know, drastically augment his game. I'm sure as he gets more comfortable in the role, they'll probably have him doing a little bit more. Um, but I, I would imagine he's probably the guy who gets first dibs there. But I wouldn't be surprised if also they set maybe incorporating, you know, before it would be, you know, McAvoy wouldn't get 
remotely close to that top power play unit. If, uh, you know, that power play unit gets stagnant, I could see them giving more of those chances to McAvoy or, or seeing what happens there. Because I, I think one of the most interesting things you're going to see this year is what Cassidy kind of talked about after the season ended is that he wants to get more offense out of his defensemen and he's going to work more ex- exclusively with them. So that might not just be conducive to the power play, but I think you're going to see a lot more guys be more aggressive or be more willing to take shots, jump up into the play. So I think that's going to be fascinating to see how that might impact guys, playmaking guys like a McAvoy or a Grizzly going forward this year. I was just saying, I think that impacts McAvoy the most in the sense that if you remember back to like 20, this is such a small sample size, but if you remember his debut against Mm -hmm. the Senators in the 2017 playoffs, nobody was more dynamic on the ice than McAvoy on the power play, jumping up into the offense, taking shots. And it felt like over the last few years, he's kind of been neutered in a sense offensively. Where, you know, you're, you're, he's been with Chara, you know, more that, you know, going against other teams' top uh, line roles. The defense, I think, has been kind of more important or at least higher on his list than, than the offensive side of the game has been. And I feel like now, if you can put him with someone like Grizzlick, and then if you can put him maybe near the top, maybe near the top unit, give him a few chances up there, you're going to see him be more dynamic if you kind of just let him come out and let him do those things. Because I feel like the past few years, maybe he hasn't been so much allowed to, to, to do those things and have those sort of freedoms. So I think he's someone who greatly benefits from that kind of letting him, letting his wings go, letting him, letting him, you know, letting flourish him fly. in a sense, letting him fly. Uh, that would be uh, the right word for it. So McAvoy is someone I do think that you're going to start to see a lot uh, better out of this year. I still think though, Grizzly is the guy for the top power play unit. Um, and who would, so on D it would be Pastrnak, Grizzly, and then down low it would be Marshawn Bergeron and, Maybe DeBrusque, maybe Krejci, because I, yeah. I know they like Krejci on that second unit just to kind of mm-hmm. even things out a little bit. So yeah, or Coil. We'll Cra- they want to have him as a net front guy or Coil, Craig Smith, uh, Nick Ritchie. Nick Ritchie. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Ritchie. Uh, okay, so Nick, final Nick, question. Nick Ritchie's going to score like twenty goals this year. I know Nick Ritchie's going to. I think Nick Ritchie is not going to be as bad as people think. I think he's mm-hmm. going to get lineup time, and I think he'll be okay. He'll be okay. Doesn't mean he's going to be great. It'll yeah. be okay. Um, maybe we'll see. I hope. I hope that is. I hope no one clips that soundbite when he like takes a really stupid penalty late in the game uh, at the start of the season. So, fifth question, final question for today's episode is centered around the goaltender Tuka Rask. Does uh, this is tough? How does Rask rebound? Because obviously, last year ended, you know, for some controversially. I mean, obviously, we all support the decision. He did leave the bubble though, and I think some people still, at least Bruins fans, there there won't be any in the building to yell at him or boo at him. Uh, But I do wonder how he responds. I also wonder you you have a worse decor in front of you, I think. So that also doesn't help. We touched on that a little bit. I mean, how does he respond? Uh, Hopefully by playing good hockey. Uh, (laughs) No, I mean, I think for him in terms of, you know, putting this behind him, which again, granted, he's probably not gonna, he's gonna hear this for a while. When, when fans come back in, it should be a joyous occasion if we get to, you know, hopefully the spring, uh, and we have some fans back in the stands, that'd be beautiful to have them back in time for the playoffs. And like, Portugal will still probably get booed because of it, because of people gonna remember last year, but. No one will um, know if it's Tuke or. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a good thing. Um, but. I think for him, the best way to kind of put this in the rearview mirror is just to, um, you know, 
kind of hit the hit the ground running and kind of keep up his level of production he had last year. Again, it's easier said than done when your decor in front of you is is you know has taken a big hit. Um, but you kind of look at the production you've got from him the last couple of years, how much I think it's benefited him and the Bruins to have a guy like Halak there who not only is a great backup, but is also a guy that uh, pushes Rask in terms of, um, you know, competition for that starting role. Um, we've seen over the years, especially of how much Rask has benefited from, you know, rest and a low workload. So I imagine that's going to be the case this year where it's a shortened season, coupled with the fact that also I think you're still going to get, Halak getting a good amount of stats, especially where I think you're, even if it's going to be 48, you know, to 56 games, I think you're going to see a lot of back-to-back stuff like that. So I think you're going to see a lot of 50-50 splits there in those situations uh, between Rask and Halak. So again, the easiest way to kind of, uh, you know, get past the situation is just to keep on playing good hockey, which um, he really hasn't dipped in his play at all in the last couple of years. If anything, he, I think he's been probably playing the best hockey of his career since Halak has come around. Um, but, you know, I think that's the biggest key. Like, I, I'm sure once we get to the start of the year, you're going to have a lot of people that's going to be a, a main narrative of, like, is Rask head in the game? It's like, uh, I mean, he's back home. Like, we, the season's not going to be normal, but at least these guys are back at their houses. They're with their families. Like, it, you know, it's not not ideal how the season's going to be, you know, mapped out, but, um, you know, it's a much bigger improvement from being stuck in a bubble up in Toronto. So I'm not that concerned about the goaltending right now, but obviously I think you're going to hear that narrative nonstop. I mean, once we hit January, we're going to get a lot of that. I think the first couple of weeks, right. You know, the first, first RAS presser is going to be a slog to say the least. I was going to say, he has not spoken publicly to the media. I know he spoke to Steve Conroy, the Herald, uh, back in, I think, September. But he has not spoken to, like, the, the media as a whole uh, since since after Game 2 against the Hurricanes, I think. Because um, mm-hmm. I think he left before Game 3, if I remember. Uh, yeah, Game 3. Yeah. So, uh, I, I think he'll be fine. I But I do still think with the defense – rough in front of him, I think that is not going to help things. I don't think you're going to see, you know, the same almost won the Vesna Rask as last year. But there's also the part of me that's like, remember the last time he played in a shortened season, he was great in 12-13. So obviously that's a long time ago, which is crazy to say that 2012 was a long time ago. But it was. It was eight years, nine years ago now. Uh, But I do think that, you know, the shortened season might benefit him. But I also don't think the defense in front of him is going to do him a ton of help or at least as much help as it has in the past. So I think he'll be a top 10 goalie for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he will be a Vesna front runner, so to speak. Yeah. Um, gotta have some level of skepticism, right? Gotta, that's our yes. job. We gotta be a little skeptical sometimes. Of course. So, so I, I don't, I think he'll be good, but not, you know, number two in the Vesna as he was, uh, as he was last season. So that's the biggest questions facing the Bruins right now. It's funny. Before we go, you mentioned, uh, I'll leave listeners with this amazing thought in their head, uh, cause maybe this will get them to, uh, be motivated to watch Corona get, you know, crumble under itself. Um, I was thinking about last night. You mentioned when, when fans come back, think of what it will be like the first time the building is full and no one needs to wear masks. And COVID is like an afterthought. Whenever this happens, I don't know when this will be. This, this could be. You know, generously the spring could be next fall, could be spring after next spring of 2022. I don't know when this will be. 
But yeah. think of the first time when, when, when people feel safe, when everyone's in their seat, when the seats are full, when it's just normalcy again. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine what that's the, the euphoria that that's going to be? Gonna like be. just the sheer, yeah. like incredible, right? It's going to be unbelievable. I mean, I think people, there's so much stuff I think neither people have taken for granted or maybe are just excited just to, you know, just the little things that, you know, people are missing. Like how much I think people miss just going to a, a bar after work to meet their buddies for a beer or something like that. There's so, I mean, there's obviously the, the greater things now, especially on the holidays of missing family and, and stuff like that. But I think especially it's just the, the small things like for me, one thing I always miss now that I feel like, I, you know, it's, it's far down the pecking order, but I miss going to just like, a coffee shop and like knocking out work for three hours, like working from home is okay, but like it lost its appeal back in like May. Right. Like now. Yeah. So, uh, there's so much stuff. I think people are just going to be, um, just absolutely pumped about to, to go back out and do normal societal things. Once again, I think especially for Bruins fans, uh, to go back into the garden is going to be just like a, an all time moment. Um, Hopefully the Bruins win that game. That seems like a game that would be totally like, would be like a 5-1 loss. It's like game five of the cup, of the cup final where like you, that game, you go into it like, oh, this is going to be like a, a franchise defining game. And then it just ended up being terrible. Like it would be like, I, I don't think you're probably going to get full people in the stands best case until next season, like the year after, like maybe you get 50% by the playoffs like maybe i'm just either being unrealistic or too realistic in terms all of the that, nurses but... and doctors who've been vaccinated can get free access to games. yeah exactly they, get, they, get, they can sit in the i stand. mean they should get they should get some box seats anyway but um yes but it's still going to be just well, to you know what game it'll be place. like it'll be like the game after the marathon bombings when they lost in like a shootout to the savers yeah. if i remember correctly it'll be kind of like that where it's like this you know this which, incredible which the... moment which at the very least, that'll be one where you can at least play like, you know, the opening, you know, five minutes on repeat and be like, that was awesome. Like, I don't think anyone, anyone remembers that they lost that Sabres game. That's true. That's play true. The, the national anthem and, you know, that that's what the big takeaway was. But, no, it's going to be great just to, uh, you know, I, I said multiple times, that, like, I can't wait to be stuck in traffic again and be happy as like a, a pig and shit about being stuck like on the pike. Which again, let's fast forward to the spring, the summer when that happens, and I'm 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 pissed again, like being stuck in traffic. But I I miss the the normal, you know, day to day things that I think we've all taken for granted, and I'm sure Bruins fans are excited to, you know, be be stuck on the tee going to the garden again in uh, in due time. Yeah, I mean, I just think of it like, I mean, if if people aren't cheering throughout warmups. And if people aren't just like going absolutely bananas during the game, whenever this takes place, mm-hmm. I'll be so disappointed. Now, I do think people will. I don't think that people yeah. will like, you know, just sit there. Like, I think people are just going to be so excited to get out. I mean, just to think of like, to think of that. Like I look back at videos I have on my phone from the cup final, like how crazy that was. And we just, no one knew that just a few months later or, you know, just not even a year later, we would be in the, in the situation we are now. Um, and like you mentioned things you miss. I mean, I miss the coffee shops. I miss going to class. I miss classrooms. When did you ever think someone would ever say that? Nerd. Uh, Freaking nerd. But it's, but no, it's true. And it's, it's, I can't stand sitting in my room and doing work. I can't stand sitting in my room and doing class. It is, it is mind numbing. I, I, I'm so sick of, uh, my rooms. 
uh, and I want to, uh, I, I want to go get out in the world again. And I think that yes. would be a fun thing, uh, to do. But speaking of normalcy, what are you working on at Boston Sports Journal that people can look out for? Yeah, we're going to be keeping an eye on. Obviously, I think this is going to be a pretty pivotal week in terms of, uh, again, if they want to have this January 13th start date, if they want to have training camp by, you know, people mentioned the 1st of January, the 3rd of January, they're going to have to start coming to an agreement pretty soon. So we'll have all the latest here at BHJ on that. Um, and then I think uh, this week we're also going to be start looking at projecting the roster for this team. There's going to be an expanded roster. You could have a taxi squad. So it'll be a couple of interesting names that might get called up that's going to be with the Bruins the long haul this year. So we'll break that down over at Boston Sports Journal. So subscribe over at BSJ, and you can follow me on Twitter at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. And for CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins Beat listeners have a great, great rest of your week. Yeah.